sacrament of Holy Communion. And if you're watching on TV, if you find some bread and a juice, why, we'll uh, invite you to participate in that part of our worship service as well. Let's stand as we join together in the call to worship. On this All Saints Sunday, we gather to join the multitude of saints across the generations, from all tribes, peoples, and languages to proclaim. We come to remember, to grieve, and to celebrate those saints who have come before, yet whose life and witness continues to teach us. We gather today as the family of Christ, siblings and saints, diverse yet united by grace to live lives that declare. May we be guided today by the Lamb who is our shepherd, the one who gathers us, comforts us, and tends us. Our opening hymn is number 545 and singing verses 1, 3, and 5. Continue with our unison prayer. Loving and generous God, we come to you hungry and thirsty for your word. Satisfy our hunger, quench our thirst, nourish our soul. Teach us to listen, 
and heed all your promises and receive the abundance of your inexhaustible grace. And now, with words of hope in our hearts, we again respond to your call to carry the good news of Jesus Christ in all languages, beginning here in our communities, across all borders, and unto the ends of the earth. seated I guess and we'll continue with the affirmation the Apostles Creed found on number 881 let us use these historic words to affirm our faith I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We children are there some children for the children's chat that are brave enough to come up you never know it takes a lot of courage while the children come out just introduce myself I am Jim Tubbs and I'm a retired United Methodist pastor and it's always uh, a privilege to be invited to lead worship. Good morning. Hail, hail all the gangs here, right? This morning I want to ask you a question. Do you have a play area where you have a bunch of toys at home? Where is it? Where's your play area? Uh, upstairs. upstairs. Is it your room or is it a separate room? It's a separate room. How about your play area? Oh, brother and sister. Okay, so your play area. Are you able to play okay together? Sometimes. Okay. How about your play area? Right across from your bedroom. But he's not here. Well, we're glad you're here. Hope he's okay. How about you? Do you have a play space? 
Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this. Does your play area get ever get messed up? Yeah. It does. Okay, I want to talk about two different ways that people might parent. Okay, and we'll ask you which, which way you like best. Okay, I'm going to tell you the Jim Tubbs way because it might not be the best way. Okay, the Jim Tubbs way is I like to do things quick and fast and be done with them. So what I would do is I'd go clean up the play area. Okay, so that's one way it can happen. Okay. Now my wife's name is Jolene and she had a different way of cleaning up play area. She'd say, oh, come on, come with me. And she'd point out this toy and this toy and maybe this piece of clothing and and she'd say, where did those go? And she'd wait there until all the toys were picked up and put away. Which kind of parent do you like? You like the last one. All right. Well, see, I wasn't a very good parent. You know, the fast way isn't always the best way. Well, this morning we're talking about, together, about the fact that God our Father is always at work, doing work of loving people, caring for people, uh, providing salvation and help to people, and He invites us, as imperfect as we are, to participate in what we call ministry, helping people, caring for people, loving people. Sometimes we look around and say, well, that might be a, not very a good choice because God could do it a lot better than we can. But you know, God wants us to learn how to do that. So the good parent is the one not like me, okay? Never let your parent pick your toys up for you, okay? You can tell them, Pastor Jim told you that. And you always pick your toys up, okay? Thank you for coming up. We're going to have a little word of prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you've created us, that you have gifted us. Uh, you have uh, given us your resources of love, of caring, of giving ourselves to others in your name so that they might be drawn to you. We ask you to bless those whose lives we touch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being so brave to come up. Have a great day.
Oh God, we thank you for both the opportunity and the privilege of being in ministry with you and for you. And as we have put our gifts and our tithes and offerings in the plate, they represent us placing our lives in your hands. Use both our gifts and tithes and offerings and our life to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I guess you can be seated. Sorry about that. <laughs> I have to look at the order as well. Well, it's always a privilege to come uh, and be uh, with friends that worship on the first day of the week when we celebrate the reality of the resurrection. And this morning, uh, we want to take a look at a scripture that uh, John gives to us as he shares about the life of Jesus. I don't know if anyone here, have you ever gotten in trouble for doing the right and the good thing? That's a nice way to get in trouble. Peter said that's a way to get, way to get in trouble. So uh, we're going to read a story where uh, Jesus, who was not accustomed to getting in trouble, uh, gets in trouble one more time. So this is from John chapter 5. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and one who had been there for, as an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? His response was, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. Law forbids you to carry your mat. And he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they said, well, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man that was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away from the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well again, stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. And so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day. And I, too, am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we uh, come to you hearing these ancient and for most of us, many of us, familiar words. We ask you to speak to us this morning, your word, for us individually and collectively. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
Now the issue about the Sabbath was that what? God had created the earth in how many days? You're allowed to participate. Six days. And then it says in the Bible that he rested on the seventh. And so as God had interacted with his people, the Hebrews, he had shared that the Sabbath was a special day. And because God rested, they should rest. And of course, they had multitudes of questions about what was work. In fact, they had books written about what was work, what you could do on the Sabbath and what you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And so Jesus challenged their thought about what was appropriate to do on the Sabbath day. And as the scripture says, that that's what really upset the religious leaders. He called God his father. So this morning, it says that God is still working. So I thought it would be good to ask three questions. What kind of work is God doing? And who is supposed to do that work? And the third question is, how is that work to be done? And so to set the stage, I want to read from the book of Acts, chapter 1. Uh, Luke wrote both the gospel and the book of Acts. And so he says, this is a continuation of my former book. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, who he had written to, I wrote all about what Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And then skipping to verse 8, again, it's a familiar verse for many of us. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So let's look at the first question. What is the work of God? And you might, uh, if I ask you to make a list, you might work at that. But I want to give you some scripture this morning that talks about what the work of God is. The first is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And it says here, To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God is what the Lord requires of you. So at least those three things are the work of God, right? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Then in Matthew chapter 25, it gives us a little bit more of a prescription and as I read this prescription, you'll see some of the things, certainly, that your church does, okay, and other churches do. And maybe, hopefully, we do on an individual basis. So in this setting, Jesus says, Then the king will say to the ones on the right, Come, and you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then he says several things. For I was hungry, and he gave me something to eat. And Stone Church is known for that, isn't it? There's a, a food meal provided. It says, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. So... All of these things, as Jesus talks about those that are invited into the kingdom, are about the work that God is doing, was doing then, is doing now, and what? We'll do in the future. It's stuff that we're supposed to be doing individually and collectively. And the third verse, set of verses I want to give you is when Jesus returned home in Luke Initially, everything was going well. When he says this, it begins to raise a little bit of controversy. 
So it says, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. On a Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll from the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So that's what God's about, right? That's what Jesus was about, proclaiming good news. Good news is what? Jesus loves you. But it's more than that. Jesus died for you. It's even more than that. Jesus was what? Resurrected so that we can have life. So he says, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And now this is where he got in trouble. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He was saying, today in your presence, this scripture is being fulfilled. And of course, the rest of the story was what? He shared a little bit more how God... Uh, interacted with Gentiles in a positive way and what at the end of the story they what they wanted to push him over a cliff but these are things that God's about proclaiming the good news freedom to prisoners and we might not think of prisoners just as those that are imprisoned in our prisons but there's lots of prisons aren't there there's drugs there's anger there's unforgiveness there's lots of places where people are imprisoned. Recovery of sight to the blind. So I would share with you that I think that at least that's a beginning job description for you and I. That's what God is doing every day, every hour, and he invites us to participate in that. So that's the work of God. So who's to do the work? But the pastor, right? <laughs> no, you don't agree with that answer, do you? <laughs> we'll protect your pastor. <laughs> no. We're to do that work. Ephesians uh, 2.9. And before this, it says, you're saved by grace, which is what? A gift of God. It's not something you earn, but it's a gift for God. And then the next verse is this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I have an announcement. Every one of you that confesses that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you all have something to do. You have gifts. You have graces. You have abilities. You actually have time. Whatever else it is that we might use as an excuse that we can't do these things. That God says he's in the business of doing. Sometimes we think that we're not qualified. You know, anyone here? You don't have to put your hands up. I don't know if the nomination committee ever calls you or anything. You say, well, I'm just not qualified to do that. I don't have to. Yes, I don't have time. I did that five years ago. I've done it for ten years. Anyway, there's some interesting characters that God has used. One of the characters is Moses, right? Moses had killed an Egyptian. He was happily herding sheep for 40 years, and all of a sudden there's a burning bush, and God says, I want you to go back to Egypt and... Proclaim to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses says, well, I think you ought to ask someone else to do that. And he uses a lot of excuses. I don't know if you've ever said, I'm not good at speaking. Anyone ever turn something down because you can't talk? I don't believe that. But, uh, but some people, Moses said he wasn't able to speak. But we kind of know the rest of the story. God says, I'll let your brother talk for you. Now, how many of you want your brother or sister to talk for you? Not many of us, right? But Moses said, all right, I'll go and do that. David is a person that God used. Now, how many of us would choose an adulterer 
one that had the audacity to have the husband killed of the woman that you loved. And yet God allowed David, and isn't it a good thing? You know, God allows you, even though you've made some really rotten choices in your life, you've made some big mistakes. You've been exactly the opposite person that you really want to be. But God used David. I have to watch my watch because I don't understand what time. Okay. want to just give uh, a couple more quick ones. Peter, and Peter was embarrassed. What? Because on that night he says, Lord, I'll be with you. And then what happens? I say, are you a friend of Jesus's? Nah, I never heard of the man. I don't know if you've ever, ever had a chance to stand up for what you believe, but maybe the surroundings weren't real friendly, and you were afraid of what some others might think. And there's others of us here that are like Peter, but Peter received the Spirit on Pentecost and became a leader in the church. And remember, Paul was a, a vicious one attacking the early believers in the way. It wasn't called Christians initially, it was in the way. And he had what? A blinding experience. Changed his life. And it really changed how we understood God approached people. God doesn't just approach the Hebrew people, but what? God approaches all people. That was a dynamic new revelation in that day. We all need to hear, God's grace is sufficient for me, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now the third point, and just real quickly and shortly, how is the work to be done? How many of you have heard about burnout? Anybody hear about burnout? We hear a lot about burnout. Actually, in the church, you hear a lot about burnout. You know, I need to take a year off. When I sat in the pastoral office, you know, I would hear, I need to take two years off. And you know what I would say? I'd say, you know, you can, but I want you to know in two years, I'm going to call you. Because <laughs> your two years is going to be up. And you can't sit on the bench forever. So how is the work to be done? And Peter gives us an insight in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says... And each of us has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various graces. We're all gifted. Some gifts are more obvious and out in front than others. Some are very quiet. But there's not one of us that hasn't been a gift to help God the Father do his work. And then just a little bit of ministry, a little bit of wisdom, and we'll be done with this part. If you do ministry for God, continually trying to impress God and do all the good things so God will enjoy you, this person that wrote this says you're bound to burn out and be unfruitful. But if you do ministry with God, constantly finding where God is moving and joining God in his activity, you will last for your whole lifetime. So don't do ministry for God, but do ministry with God. So the ministry is we're supposed to care for people, love people, meet the needs of people, not for our benefit, right? The whole goal is that somehow they might come in the reality, be confronted that it's God that's doing that. And you and I are to do it, but we're not to do it in our own strength. In God's. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, as we look at our lives, we're not sure that we'd invite ourselves to be on the team, but you not only invite us, but you call us. Help us to live into our calling. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we come time for joys and concerns. Not sure how, 
I'm not sure how that's done, but in the offering plate. Thank you. Okay. We'll see what's been placed before us. So here we have uh, uh, Gene Shenley. His name was in the offering plate. Of course, we want to remember uh, your pastor, Kendra. And I saw a small sheet of paper. Someplace I wrote it down, but I don't know where I wrote it down. Let's see. But anyway, uh, used to be the chaplain at Allegheny College, right? Okay. Are there any others this morning? As we continue to worship, we'll share in the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh, yes, ma'am. I might not be able to hear you, but you can share. Okay, a friend, Bob, recovering from heart surgery. Okay. Okay, we'll sing our
let's continue worship with our morning prayer. Oh God, we are touched with wonder and marvel by your faithfulness. Faithfulness to love us. Faithfulness to renew and enable us. Your faithfulness in not only inviting us and calling us to be in your ministry in your name, but empowering us. We confess that we are often overwhelmed by the challenges in the world in which we live. Some of those challenges are within our own families. Some of those challenges are in our small communities of our neighborhood and our town. Certainly challenges come as we widen the spheres of influence in our lives by thinking of our state, our nation, and our world. We acknowledge there's no lack of work to be done in your name. Help us to be your faithful witnesses in our family, in our communities, and in our world. We pray for the multitude of places where there's war. Some are on our minds and our hearts we're familiar with, but there are other wars going on in your world that we aren't even aware of. We pray for leaders that might seek for a way towards peace, confessing that the greatest loss of life is always to those that are innocent and that it breaks our hearts. Give wisdom to our leaders. Give wisdom to world leaders. And we bring individual persons to you this morning in our hearts, some spoken, some unspoken. We bring you Bob and Jean, Kendra, Jane, Ellen, and others that uh, need your healing touch and your sustaining grace. We thank you that we don't walk the journey alone, that ones gather with us on a Sunday morning to not only worship you, it is our main goal, but also to encourage one another. We close our prayer with the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our communion service is uh, printed for you on the insert to your bulletin. It's a special time of All Saints Day. Uh, We know the church after the 31st, which is the hallowed evening, uh, established what we call All Saints Day, a time to remember those that have gone on before and have been witnesses to us. So let's share together in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. 
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Joshua and Deborah, God of Ruth and David, God of the priests and the prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and the martyrs, God of the mothers, our mothers and our fathers, God of our children to all generations. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself for us, he took the bread and he gave thanks to you. And he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For us, this becomes the body of Christ, broken for you and I, in Jesus' name. When the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's always amazing. We have no difficulty with that visualization of drinking blood from a cup. But I want you to know on that night, that would have been a very radical experience for the people because Hebrew people were never permitted to drink the blood of another because that was always a symbol of taking their strength into their life. So this is the blood of Christ. And it shed not only for my forgiveness and your forgiveness, but amazingly, there's enough forgiveness for the whole world in this cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ, offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here, upon these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Renewing our communion with all your saints, especially those whom we name in our hearts, and uh, at this time, we'll come and we'll name the names of those being remembered from Stone United Methodist Church. At the conclusion, there will be a time, if you have a spoken name, that will light the candle in the center in honor of them. So today we light a candle in memory of Becky Bailey. Lita Bull.
Reverend Norman Dunkel. Reverend James Hammerly. Donna J. Mullen. Cheryl Ann Sedlak. Meredith Smart. Jean Toomey. Deborah Wilson. And finally, Dorothy Wyckoff. Are there any names that you wish to call out as you remember this All Saints Day? Norma Shalotu. He didn't hear. Okay, the first name's Arlene. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, we're going to continue with our celebration. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. And all God's people said. So uh, the communion stewards will come forward and we'll receive uh, the elements this morning. As you come down the center aisle, and if you're on my right, you'll go this way to go back. And if you're on my left, you go this way. If there is someone that needs the elements brought uh, to you, uh, you know, I guess maybe you can raise your hand now and we'll know that that needs to take place. I don't see any, so I think we're ready. We invite you to come the front pews first on each side.
We'll stand for the closing hymn for all saints, number 711, verses 1 to 4. if there's any announcements that need to be made. If not, I announce that you, as the ministers of God's love and grace and forgiveness, go out into the world to share those gifts with each other. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's, God's people said, Amen. Amen.